Everybody, welcome to Playmakers Perspective, where our goal is to give women, football players, and others involved in the game an outlet to share their thoughts on the NFL through their unique perspective as players and women around football. Live the game, talk the game, elevate the game. I'm Katie Falkowski, and I am joined by my co-host, Faith Worrell. Yes, I am so excited to be here. We have episode 20, or as I'm going to call it, the Falco episode. Let's Number go! Number 20! Um... I'm also just super excited because we've talked a lot about how a lot of podcasts don't make it past the 20th episode. So the fact that we're here at number 20, I had no doubt, but I'm super proud of just the community that we've kind of built over the past couple months and excited to keep this rolling and talk some NFL playoffs because the playoffs are here. I'm pumped. I sent you like hype videos I keep seeing on TikTok. I'm so ready for the playoffs to get going. I am hyped too, and as we know, my team, our team, the Patriots, is not in it, which is very <laughs> sad, but I think that I'm, like, excited and not stressed about the playoffs, so it's a whole new take yeah. on the on the playoffs, and obviously being more involved in, in, in following along more storylines this year with Playmaker's Perspective has made me even more excited, and I'm excited today to kind of dive into it. So we will be doing some recaps on uh, the previous week's game, but we're also going to be looking at the upcoming matchups because... We're looking forward and we are excited about what's to come. But we are going to get started with talking about some questions from Instagram. Yes. Um, and I do want to give the shout out that anyone who ordered merch should be on the way now. I know I got my email that my order has been shipped. I am very excited for the things that I ordered. So be on the lookout for that um, as it should be on the way to you. But yes, Instagram. And and yeah, when lots you of get it, tag us, wear it, yes. let us see what you Shout got. Out. We're excited to have uh, have some models out there in the world of Playmakers Perspective merch. So thank you guys yes. to everybody who ordered. But let's get cranking here with some questions from Insta. Faith, what do the people want to know? All right. Starting off strong, favorite game from the regular season? It's a lot of those. Which, And I honestly, when I was looking back through different ones of course we had kind of the Super Bowl rematch which was hyped up we had a lot of games that we thought were going to be great and then they turned out to be blowouts I mean we had the Raiders Chargers game which was insane but I think my favorite was the Lions Chiefs week one um gotta have faith got it right on that one but I think it set the tone for this season you know in the sense that like the Chiefs were the top dog you're talking about Super Bowl champions coming into the season they host the Lions who had been Hot all off season, but you know, no one really knew exactly what was going to happen. You never count anyone out, and when you underestimate your opponent, they tend to bite you back. So I think the Lions Chiefs set the tone for the season, and it's probably my favorite game. So I'm going to roll with that. I don't have a favorite. I'm I'm ready for the playoffs and and for what's to come. Every game special. Speaking of special games, the Saints Falcons game did not disappoint this past weekend. The Saints scoring and a last second touchdown. Katie, what do you think? Yeah, so I didn't watch the game, but like I'm, you know, I'm watching different stuff and I see uh, Artie Smith coming out and screaming at the opposing coach. And I'm like, oh man, what's going on? And I was like, is he mad because they ran up the score? Like, this is the NFL, dude. Like, you got to get over it. Yeah. 
But then I understood why he was so mad, and it was because the Saints had side, uh, set up in a victory formation. Essentially, they were going to kneel the ball, and instead of that, they went in and scored the, the touchdown there. And that is obviously not appropriate <laughs> to do. <laughs> not and, ideal. And then you come to find out that it was Jameis Winston out there going rogue. The coach had not called that play. He wanted his teammate, who I believe hadn't scored a touchdown all season, to get into the end zone. Jameis Winston, not only – he said it was a team decision. That's why they did it. And, uh, yeah, it is definitely a little bit shocking. And um, Jameis Winston is a character, so that part of the story did not surprise me. Oh, yeah. I think he's one of the funniest players in the league. If you look back throughout his career, Shannon Sharp said that he would have cut Winston the next day. Um, take it with a grain of salt. Uh, uh, take it with a grain of salt from Shannon Sharp. Try saying that six times fast. Um, but I think it was a bold move. Of course, the Falcon Saints have had a rivalry for decades, it feels like. I, I think it, it feels more like a college football rivalry to me. I know I went to a Saints-Falcons game in Atlanta a couple years ago, and they didn't even put Saints on the scoreboard. It just said visitors. Like, you just didn't even – they didn't give any acknowledgement to the Saints that they could. And so I think it's hilarious. It was a bold decision. I think Arthur Smith was just bitter, and we'll talk a little bit more about that later. But going on to the next question, have streaming services gone off the rails, a.k.a. Peacock? Yes, it is absolutely ludicrous that on wildcard weekend, one of the games is only available on Peacock. I said to Eric, I was like, is this real? And he's like, I just got Peacock for some other reason. But it doesn't nice. really matter. I'm like, I'm like, that's lucky. But like, it is crazy to me. And I'm just so sick of you having to pay for all of these different services. And like, it's just like bananas to me. But the fact that the NFL uh, has put this playoff game on Peacock mm-hmm. does seem kind of wild to me. Yes, I think it's ridiculous. I think it's tough nowadays. I feel like I'm facing it more too as like living in my own apartment, trying to figure out what streaming services to have. Like my TV is made up of like my best friend's login, my best friend's boyfriend login, my friend. Like I try to find logins all the way I can and try to share accounts with people because it's expensive. Like just to have like Disney Plus and ESPN Plus together, like you're paying a hundred something bucks and then only that you get to watch a couple games if you're lucky. So I think it's ridiculous. I don't think any playoff game should not be just available to watch. I agree. I don't mind during the, the regular season with some of these like one-off games, but yeah, playoffs, I definitely think they should be more available. Yes. Well, maybe I'll have to borrow that Peacock login on uh, the weekend, but Will Kansas City lose to the Dolphins? That's I'm going to talk question. about more about this later, so I'm going to hold off my answer for that one. All right. We'll wait for that. Um, final gotta have faith record. So had to go back through the archives a little bit, back through the podcast notes. Um, I unfortunately went 5-13 and 13 on the season. So I am equivalent to the Los Angeles Chargers, basically. Not agree Which either. I feel like is... <laughs> fitting like I thought I was really qualified thought I had a really good you know team and my brain you know lined up for this and just underperformed all seasons we are five and 13 unfortunately but it happens it happens you put up a valiant effort like I've said all year it you were set up for failure in some ways because you were supposed to be choosing a team that wasn't supposed to win so every victory you had was like a super victory because it wasn't even supposed to happen so we got to look at it that way 
Yes, exactly. And that's how we're going to keep looking at it. Yes, and for sure. Moving on to the next question. Is Mason Rudolph the NFL's version of Big Daddy Glenn Davis? I didn't understand this question. I don't either. <laughs> so we'll, 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 have to, we'll have to follow up on that one. <laughs> we'll come back to that one at some point. Um, going back to the Kansas City Dolphins game just a little bit. Temperature in Kansas City this week um, is supposed to be ridiculous. Does the game temperature matter? Yes, it could be the coldest game in Kansas City history. Tua has an 0-4 record, career record in all his football games, when the temperature is 45 degrees or colder at kickoff, (laughs) and the expected temperature at kickoff is 10 degrees with a low of negative 2 degrees. I actually just saw negative 12 degrees, so it is going to be absolutely frigid. I can't wait to watch this game on Peacock (laughs) under the blankets in my warm house and see how Tua does, but yes, it's going to be a factor, not just for Tua, not just for the Dolphins, for everybody. That's going to be, I think, a factor that comes into that game. Absolutely. Like, it a thousand percent matters. Like, I have photographed games in 102 degree weather and negative 10 degree weather and obviously i was not playing the game of football but your how you function how you go about your morning routine your daily routine and just functioning under those conditions is completely different and when you think about these teams that develop their skills and they're practicing in a certain kind of weather condition especially like the miami dolphins who are used to more of that 102 heat index kind of range it's of course going to be an element. This is an extreme circumstance and it's not something you can really prepare for until you're just in the moment. Like the Miami Dolphins can't make their practice facility negative 12 degrees. Like it's not how that works. So certainly intrigued to see this game. If I can figure out how to watch it as many people will be doing. Um, But yeah, of course it's going to play a factor. Moving on. Does losing TJ Watt hurt the Steelers? Yes, it does. I thought this was funny. J.J. Watt tweeted, think they notice? And somebody had, like, a picture of him in the Steelers jersey, like, kind of, like, done up. So <laughs> wouldn't that be great to just see, T- uh, yeah, T.J. Watt, J.J. Watt out there? But um, yeah. I think absolutely they're going to notice when you lose one of your top guys who leads the NFL in sacks with 19 and QB hits with 36, it is certainly going to have an impact on your team. How could it not? Coach Tomlin said playing without TJ is significant, but to be quite honest with you, we've played without a lot of people this year. It's just another opportunity for us to strike a blow for the team. It's going to be a committee approach. We better strengthen our output in other areas because TJ is one of a kind. So yes, it's going to make an impact. Hopefully the Steelers, uh, some of those other players can step up, but TJ Watt is one of those impact players. And I think like he makes a difference for the entire, uh, defensive system and scheme and what they're doing and makes the job of guys around him easier. So I think without him, uh, it's definitely going to be tough going against the bills. Yeah. Um, quick note off of noting, if I think they would notice um, my best friend um, in college, Kimberly, I adore her. She knows that I love the NFL and certain players and she made a workout playlist that she shared with me. And she's like, I thought you'd be so proud. Like I use Gronk as the cover. And it was TJ Watt. So it wasn't it wasn't Gronk, but she was so excited. So maybe we can even stick Gronk in there and certain yeah. people wouldn't notice. Gronk, see quarterback, get quarterback. <laughs> exactly. He'll be That's fine. That's it. Yeah. He'll be fine. Um speaking of quarterbacks though, does love beat Dak? 
Ooh, Jordan Love, Dak Prescott. What a matchup. Uh, I don't know how it's going to go. I would say the Cowboys should win this game. Will they yep. win the game? We're going to have to wait and see. I think Jordan Love, no matter what, what a, what a great uh, first year as QB1 for him with the Packers. Could not agree more, and I will talk more about this game in a minute. Um, who's winning Coach of the Year? Bill Belichick. What do you think? <laughs> um, I don't know. Uh, Kevin Stefanski, I think, with the Browns has done a lot of good stuff, yeah. um, especially in light of their quarterback kind of revolving door situation. So he's the one that pops yeah. in at the top of my head. Honestly, I think Mike McDaniel, of course, has a lot of hype around him with uh, hard yeah. knocks and everything. I could see him, of course, being a candidate, certainly pending how they do in the playoffs. But I also think, like, Sean McDermott could earn a spot with how bad the Bills looked, you know, toward the middle of the season and being able to turn it around. And now, you know, some might even have them in the Super Bowl, you know, whatever. Um, so I think it's one of those things that, you could look at who was able to turn it around for a team who was really able to like mid season, make the changes they need to make, but yeah, we'll have to see. We'll have to see who wins. Um, what were you going to say? No. All right. <laughs> um, next question is comeback player of the year. Um, Flacco from the couch or Hamlin from the grave? I didn't read that question until I, I was saying it out loud. <laughs> I did, and I thought that that was so well put. Very funny. Sheesh. Flacco for me, comeback player of the year. I understand DeMar Hamlin. Like, what an unbelievable story. We're not even going to go into that. Like, so yeah. great to see him back out there, healthy, playing. Amazing. Absolutely amazing. But Flacco... Going from the couch to the playoffs, man, and doing it in a fashion that has just been, I think, impressive. Has he played perfectly? No, but I also like that uh, that mentality from him of just like staying ready. And when his, you know, when somebody needed him, he was there. Mm -hmm. You know, the Jets didn't want him back. Yeah. Even when you know, with Aaron Rodgers going down and having Zach Wilson, they don't want Joe Flacco. Nope. Browns pick him up, and he's going in there and playing. Uh, good ball and then have them in a position here going into the playoffs to uh, hopefully make a run at it. So uh, Flacco for me is comeback player of the year. I would agree. If we're looking at those two specifically, I just feel like Flacco has had more of an impact. I think a comeback player is someone who goes from no impact to a lot of impact and not to discredit anything that DeMar Hamlin has done this year, but to be honest, he hasn't played a ton i feel right. like most games i've seen he's on the sideline it's a miracle that he is walking and alive and can still have a career in the nfl but i do think in terms of actual on the field impact you're absolutely right that flacco would take that crown um do you dislike wild card weekend feels like someone said it feels like it results in a lot of blowouts of course because no. of seating I love wild card weekend. I love playoffs and I love, love, love win and you keep going, lose and you go home. And yes, there could be blowouts, but the other side of that is there could be epic underdog stories where a team who yeah. barely like makes it into the playoffs knocks off a team that's been rolling all season. And it's like, everything is on the line. Like, and I know that's like playoffs in general, maybe, you know, wildcard weekend. But I just think there's there's always that opportunity for a team to come in, play strong, play together, and, and have a great story. So I'm here for it. 
Yeah, and I think if you also are the top seed of the AFC or the NFC, you earned that first round bye. I think there should be a space that you get to actually rest and practice and focus on the divisional round and skip the wild card weekend. But like you said, anything can happen. Like mm-hmm. once you make it into the playoffs, everybody's zero zero in my book. Like of course there's seeding and like there's certain teams that are more stacked, but you have to reach a certain standard to make the playoffs. And if you make that standard, anything can happen. Like, especially with these last few weeks where we see the Eagles losing and the Dolphins losing and like all of these situations happening that we would have thought they would be on their best game playing against teams that have the worst records in the league this season, anything can happen. So I think if we tried to get rid of wildcard weekend, we'd end up looking like the college football playoffs. And I think I'm here for more playoff games. Not Same. <laughs> Same faith. All right. Nice. That was it for questions from Instagram. Thank you, everybody, for submitting. We really appreciate those. Love uh, seeing what you guys are curious about. We're going to move on right now to AFC action and NFC news. And I'm going to get us started with some AFC action here. I'm going to start. Obviously, there's already the ball rolling with firings, talking about hirings. People are already looking at the draft. But I'm going to start out here. The Commanders ended their season losing 38-10 to 10 to the Cowboys, and they have already fired Ron Rivera after a 4-13 and 13 season. He had kind of a crazy time in Washington during his time in Washington. Some of the obstacles he faced included three team names, two owners, eight starting quarterbacks, and he also beat skin cancer during that time. So what a wild couple of years for Ron Rivera. Through all of that, he had a 26-49-1 record. So I give him credit for facing all of that change and all of that adversity. I also understand why the commanders have decided it's time to move on. The commanders hired longtime NBA exec Bob Myers and former Minnesota Vikings general manager Rick Spielman Spielman to assist in finding a new head coach and have really just talking about like we're really going to do a far wide search and do it the right way to try to find the next guy to lead the commanders. But uh, kudos to Ron Rivera for dealing with all of that. And, and always kind of seemingly having the right attitude about it. That's a lot to go through. It's a like, lot. None of yeah. that is stable. Like between right. the team name changing, the quarterback situation, like everything that's happened in there, and even just his own health stuff off the field, it was a good attempt and it was a good run. And I think there was a lot of good, I don't want to say culture stuff, because obviously it didn't translate to the field, but a lot of good leadership you know, one-on-one coach to player, but of course it is a business in a winning league. And speaking of firing, switching to NFC news, we're going to talk about Arthur Smith, former Atlanta Falcons head coach. Now Um, he had three seasons with the Falcons. He finished seven and 10 um, for the third straight season with an overall record of 21 and 30 um, with no playoff appearances as the head coach. Um, Uh, I think just while Arthur Smith was in Atlanta, things were very inconsistent. He knew it. Everybody knew it looking in. They could win big games and then lose bad. There was just no consistency overall. They never won more than two games in a row under Smith, which is crazy. And both of his two last seasons had at least a three-game losing streak. Then, if you also look at just the quarterback situation that they dealt with, they had Matt Ryan, Marcus Mariota, Desmond Ritter, Tyler Heineke, and I think all of those kind of just switches at quarterback. You're not having a stable leader. 
And then, of course, Ritter's, you know, his time at QB1. I think all of those things just kind of put the nail in the coffin. And then, yes, he was very fired up this past uh, weekend um, toward the Saints. Rightly so. I could I could see how that doesn't look great. Um, but I think at the end of the day, that was also some boiled over just emotions from the fact that he probably knew what was coming next. Yeah, so. I, I would agree with that. I think he probably knew when to go out like that, like you're fired up, you know it's the end, and then he just kind of exploded. But we'll see what happens out there. Hopefully my guy Bijan gets a good uh, head, <laughs> head yeah. coach and puts them in a better position to be successful. Going back to the AFC here, the Jets beat the Patriots 17-3 last weekend, which snapped a 15-game losing streak to the Pats. In the game, running back Brees Hall had 190 yards total, and every Patriot player combined had 176 yards. So that's what happened on that week. But here's the good news for the Pats. The Pats currently have the third, 34th, and 68th pick in the draft. It'll be interesting to see who they get, and it will be interesting to see who's in charge of picking who they get, because obviously the talk in New England is about the future of Bill Belichick. It seems to me like a lot of people, including current and former players and fans, want him to stay, and he has indicated at least to some level that he would be open to giving up his GM responsibilities if he could stay on as a coach. Of course, everybody's kind of reading between the lines on that. I almost never go on Twitter or X or whatever you want to call it, but I did uh, yesterday, I believe, and I feel like everybody was posting about how Bill should stay. I'm sure there's another side of Twitter who was posting about how everybody thinks Bill should leave, but it was interesting to me because I think so, this narrative has been, he's gone, he's already out the door, and I feel like that maybe is like shifting a little bit. But then today, yeah. what comes out is news that the Titans fired Mike Vrabel, and perhaps that opens up a whole other possibility. There's a lot of question marks in New England about the future of Bill Belichick, if Mike Rabel will be a potential candidate if Belichick leaves. Um, but the Patriots, unfortunately, lost their season, losing to the Jets. And now there's just some question marks about the future here going forward. That was tough. I I felt for everybody who had to really work outside because it was a blizzard, essentially. Um, and yeah, not a lot of offensive productivity all in all. I mean, the Jets scored in the final few minutes. Um, and I think it's just been a series of unfortunate events this year. And I'm eager to see what changes get made. I I trust that something is on the horizon. I'll certainly find out uh, through work. But for now, we just wait and we see what happens. Um Trust that the organization is in good hands with the crafts, and we'll see where it goes from here. See where it but goes. Speaking of head coach availabilities, you know, we've got can some possible candidates, best case scenarios. Um, during the season, there were three other head coaches that were fired. We had obviously Josh McDaniels with the Raiders, Frank Reach with the Carolina Panthers, and then we had Brandon Staley with the Chargers. Additionally, two general managers from the Raiders and Chargers were also let go. So lots of movement during the season with those teams, um, which I think certainly open up jobs that people are going to want. We've talked a lot about the Los Angeles Chargers being a very coveted job. A lot of speculation has been around whether Bill would go to the Chargers if he does leave New England. But who knows? We'll see how that plays out. Um and I think like one important thing to note is 
just how well the Houston Texans did in terms of this kind of rebuild, restructure. I think any NFL owner dreams of this happening mm. when you are in such a losing season or multiple losing seasons. Like they really hit the home run with getting the head coach that has turned this team around, the quarterback that has turned this team around, and the other pick in the draft, Will Anderson, stepping up on defense. Um, and I think just those. They certainly had to go through some low points. They cycled through two straight one-and-done head coaches before finding D'Amico Ryan's their head coach now. But I think it just shows how crucial your decision of head coach really is, and especially in the draft, how much you can turn things around. Like, we we're sitting here talking about the Pats having a losing season. For, fast forward to the draft. Let's say we get a quarterback. He turns things around. We switch things around at head coach. Next thing you know, we're in the playoffs. Like it can happen very fast when you find the right people. And so I'm curious to see kind of how some of these teams, especially in the Southern region and the Panthers and Falcons, kind of how they fill these voids and try to actually build the culture that they want. So it's not really an NFC point, but it's something to note that I do think the Texans deserve all the credit in the world for how they have restructured their team and have gotten themselves in the playoffs after so long. And there's a lot of open spots and a lot of movement happening in terms of front offices for these teams. So something to definitely keep an eye on. And I'm very intrigued to see what Mike Vrabel decides to do, because I think he is a hell of a coach and I Agreed. think he is going to find himself somewhere very fast. I don't see him being available very long. Yeah. I was really shocked by the fact that they got rid of him. Obviously I think we're both very biased in our, our love of him due to Probably. his ties to New England, but it also seems like, yeah, you know, players like him and yeah, the last two years yeah. they didn't have great records, but I thought they finished strong in Tennessee and yeah, I was shocked to see that. Very curious to see where he'll go and where all those places you just mentioned, like who will end up there and how that impacts their teams going forward. I'm going to come yeah. back to the AFC here, and I'm just going to quickly hit on a couple of games that, that happened last week before we move on to talking about the play, uh, Wild Card Weekend playoff matchups. So Bills beat the Dolphins when the AFC East. I needed to talk about this game because we were all so, so hyped about it, and the Bills have really just gotten hot since December. They won five straight since starting six and six, and it really seemed like everything changed for the better when they fired the uh, offensive coordinator, Ken Dorsey, and went with Joe Brady. That really helped out Josh Allen, and got running back James Cook cooking. So their offense is now rolling going into the playoffs. They looked great. But again, Josh Allen still makes wild plays sometimes. Sometimes they're good. Sometimes they're bad. But they're certainly wild. He had two interceptions and lost a fumble in that game against the Dolphins last weekend. We can't. We always talk about it. There's highs and lows with Josh Allen, and that's the ride that you're going to get. But right now, the Bills, I think, are looking really good going to the playoffs. We'll be talking about those matchups pretty soon here. The Baltimore Ravens last weekend lost to the Steelers, but they remain the top seed in the AFC, so of course they have a bye. Lamar was on the sideline. I don't think the Ravens are worried about that loss at all, um, and I'm sure they're confident having that extra week, like you're saying, to prepare. I think it's going to make a big difference for them, make sure everybody's healthy going into their first playoff game. And finally, in the AFC, the Bengals uh, had a 31-14 win week 18 versus Cleveland. This was just a crazy step for me. The AFC North is the second division in NFL history to have each of its team finish the season with a winning record. Hmm. Surprised to hear that. So anyway, uh, lots yeah. of interesting things happened in the last week of the season. We're not going to touch on them too much because we're already rolling for the playoffs, um, which we're excited for. 
Yes, and before we dive into each wildcard matchup and kind of break those games down, um, we did obviously get a confirmed NFL draft order now that the regular season is up. So top 15, we're starting with Bears, Commanders, Patriots, Cardinals, Chargers, Giants, Titans, Falcons, Bears again, Jets, Vikings, Broncos, Raiders, Saints, and then Colts. That's the top 15. Of course, everything is subject to change. Certainly teams will be looking to trade up or trade down for more picks. Um, But it is important to know that the teams without a first-round pick are the Cleveland Browns and the Carolina Panthers. Imagine being in their shoes and you don't even have a first round because of how you traded it away. So... It's so brutal because we'll I think, like I said, well, the good news for the Pats is we have a thir- third round pick. Like, you're already like, okay, that was like a bad season. Let's move on. Who can we get in the draft? What can we do? And if you're the Panthers, you're like, well, we're going to get a new coach, but what is that going to look like? Especially with our owner who we talked about last week, who's a little bit uh, eccentric, I should say. Okay. Yeah. Well, the Panthers need to be really making the most out of free agency is yes. what they need to be doing. Yes. But yes. we'll see what happens with that. So, rolling into the playoffs, talking about Wild Card Weekend, we're fired up about this. We are going to break down each matchup, just kind of give go over some points that are things we're looking forward to, excited about, worried about for some teams, and just what to expect from this Wild Card Weekend. Katie, what do you have? Well, I'll tell you, I'm excited. I already said to Eric, we're getting pizza Saturday and watching football <laughs> all day long, so like... <laughs> Literally just, I mean, I like, you know, I think to me too, also looking at all these matchups, I'm like, man, every game is going to be a good game. So the first yeah. game here, talk about Houston versus Cleveland. The winner is going to play the the Ravens. This is Saturday at 4.30 in Houston. Houston comes in as three-point underdogs. And this is the only second, t- but this is the only, the second time in 20 years the Browns have been in the playoffs. So Houston is underdog. Wow. The Browns are going to the playoffs. Their fan base, I'm sure, is extremely fired up. And the QB duel involves the rookie versus the vet, Flacco and Stroud, going head-to-head. I think the Texans are, like you talked about, way ahead of schedule, where people probably thought they would be. They're the first team in NFL history to win their division with their rookie quarterback, uh, rookie quarterback who I think is going to be offensive rookie of the year. It would be hard to argue against C.J. Stroud in that regard. And also potent- and uh, head coach D'Amico Ryan's first year. So Texans way ahead of schedule, like you said, knocked it out of the park this, this last offseason. Of course, they want to win, but I think no matter what, just getting to the playoffs is a huge victory for them. The Browns on the other side of it, like I said, they have the potential coach of the year in Kevin Stefanski and potential comeback player of the year in Joe Flacco and also potential defensive player of the year in Miles Garrett. So it's going to be a great week. Uh, it's going to be a great way to start Wild Card Weekend. I'm excited. I don't have a prediction. I'm just looking forward to it. Love it, love it, love it. Um, all right, so looking to the NFC, I'm going to get it started here with Rams versus Lions, all right? We're going to talk about this because we've got Matthew Stafford is returning to Detroit. This game is slated for Sunday afternoon, evening, got at 4.30 in Detroit, and this is the return of Matthew Stafford. I think this storyline is super exciting to see. Of course, Stafford was drafted to the Lions in 2009 and was with Detroit for 12 seasons before being traded to L.A., and I feel like 
while he has stepped up in LA, it certainly was not the best 12 years out in Detroit. Um, Stafford recognizes the opportunity and emphasized that while all the pre and post game things are exciting, reuniting with people has been going to be great. It's just football once the ball is snapped. So he said, it will be fun to see some of the people that I haven't seen in a while that I know are still around in the building. And obviously it'll be a different scenario. I won't be wearing their colors, but still appreciate so many people that are there that gave me my start in the league and took care of me for 12 years too. 12 years is a long time. Mm -hmm. That is a long time to be with a team. And I think obviously he is going to be excited to return, but he is playing for the Rams and they are red hot in my opinion right now. I think they have turned it up at the right time. Of course, he's going to be looking to get a win in Detroit, but the Lions right now are 53.9% favorites. So close matchup. We've been high on the Lions all year. They've had a phenomenal, I would say, just comeback story, rebuild story. Dan Campbell has done so many amazing things out in Detroit. So I certainly think this is a very even, exciting matchup. The Rams, like I said, I think they're on fire right now. They've won four of their last five games, including their season-ending thriller over the 49ers in San Francisco, which was a 21-20 to win. You know what? I just said it would be crazy that anybody would be the offensive rookie of the year besides CJ Stroud. But what about Puka Nakua breaking all these records? (laughs) Like, how could I not have him in the conversation? And I I was going to bring that up. (laughs) He's going to make a difference in this game. You know, I think if he comes out in balls and Stafford balls, like this is going to be a a competitive ball game. Absolutely. And I, I think because the Lions haven't hosted a playoff game in quite some time, I think the atmosphere is going to be absolutely out of this world. And I anticipate this is going to be a very high-scoring, exciting game. We'll see what happens. But that is the first one I want to talk about with the NFC. What else do we have on the AFC side? I'm excited about that. I'm also excited about Kansas City versus Miami. Are you kidding me? Saturday night, 8 o'clock in Kansas City. Yes, it is only on Peacock. The Chiefs are three-and-a-half-point favorites. We talked about how absolutely bitterly cold it's going to be there. I can't wait to watch that. There's something like extra fun about watching people in those conditions. Maybe that's like mean for me to say, but I just love it. You're not in it, so you can enjoy exactly. it. Exactly. Uh, one storyline here is this a Tyreek Hill revenge game versus the Chiefs? They did play early, earlier this year in week nine. But that was in Germany. The Dolphins lost. So I think it'll be interesting to see how Kansas City fans welcome him back or don't welcome him back there. Uh, Mostert has been out running back on the Dolphins. Hopefully he's good to go. As good as HN is, I think having Mostert back in that lineup will be a huge help for the Dolphins. And a big storyline this year is that Miami has not been able to beat good teams, and they have lost three of their last five games. But also, the Chiefs have been looking flat. So you have two teams who you think should be good and explosive and can be good and explosive if they're playing well and their cues are looking good and everything's like dialed in. But they both have kind of either over the entire season or just the last couple of games not looked so great. Great, But I'm hopeful that both teams come out with the best versions of what they got and things heat up despite the negative tips. Nice. Nicely done. Slapping my knee over here for you. Um, I think this should be a great game. I I also enjoy watching the different weather conditions. Um, so I think it'll certainly be interesting. I think it'll play a factor. 
I really don't know who comes out on top here because I think both teams are in the exact same spot, like you said, like should be better, could be better, are certainly fired up by losing games they shouldn't have been losing. So I think it's just going to come down to best team wins at the end of the day, and I I think it's going to be close. I'm super excited for this matchup, again, if I can figure out how to watch it, but I think it's going to be great. Um, I'm going to talk now about the Cowboys versus the Packers, which I realize I had this backwards. Rams and Lions is at Sunday night. Dallas Green Bay is 4.30. So starting off on Sunday, we have 4.30. Green Bay is in Dallas, which, of course, the immediate note is this is a Dallas home game, which they have this outrageous, like, very impressive undefeated streak at home. They didn't lose a game at home this season. Home field advantage and I think the seeding of how they're, how Dallas is has Dallas right now at 73.6% favorites. Valid. Fair enough. Um, the Packers, on the other hand, are 4-5 and five on the road this season, but they finished this season red hot with a three-game win streak. So they're playing their best football, but they're going to have to travel to Dallas and face the Cowboys in Jerry's world, which has proven to be a hard thing for teams to do this season. We talked about Jordan Love. I'm excited to watch him on paper. He's had a very similar season to Prescott. Um, For the 2023 season, Love was 372 of of 579 passes, so completed most of his passes um, for 4,159 yards, 32 touchdowns, 11 interceptions. Um, But more importantly, I just think Green Bay is rallying around him. I think he's filling the shoes that Aaron Rodgers left just fine. He is finding ways to win games in the last seconds. And I think Green Bay is in good hands for the postseason and beyond. I don't know if this team specifically has what it takes to go all the way and keep pushing, you know, to like the NFC championship, but I certainly think they have a solid foundation and Jordan Love has a very tall ceiling ahead of him um, in Green Bay. In Dallas, on the other hand, Dallas kind of has their big three. When I look at Dak Prescott, Tony Pollard, and CeeDee Lamb, you've kind of got those outstanding playmakers, quarterback, running back, wide receiver that have just put up stellar numbers all year. Tony Pollard is over 1,000 yards for the season, six touchdowns. You've got CeeDee Lamb, who has almost 2,000 yards from the season and 12 touchdowns. And then, of course, Dak Prescott has been playing some of his best football this season so it's at home it's certainly a winnable game for Dallas but you truly never know when it comes down to the playoffs and I've seen so many Dallas outstanding Dallas teams lose because of situational football something coming down to the last second and just not going their way so could it bite the Cowboys in the butt again we're gonna have to find out at 4 30 on Sunday but I think this should be an exciting game I think so too. And I hope it doesn't come down to something like that. Like I just hope it's a clean game and the best team wins. I always say it's like, I want, I want the game to be won on someone doing something awesome, not someone making a mistake. It just like makes me feel bad for the person who makes a mistake. But like, I'm I'm hoping it's a clean game. We see the best version of both teams. And I would say that in all of these games, like I want to see the best version of both teams going head to head and have the best team win. Like have it not come down to like, a silly penalty that, you know, puts a question mark in people's heads or, you know, someone or even a coach making a call that isn't the perfect call. Like 
let's see the best version of all of these teams and see what happens. And yeah, I mean, the Cowboys have been just unstoppable, unbeatable at home this year. And I'm very curious to see how it goes. If it doesn't go well, I can't imagine Jerry Jones is going to be a happy dude or Mike McCarthy uh, in Dallas. But we're going to find out. I think that's a great matchup. Moving back to the third and final AFC wildcard game, we have Buffalo versus Pittsburgh. This is Sunday at 1 o'clock in Buffalo. The Bills are 7-1 and one at home this season, so also really dominant at home. And it's also looking to be cold in sub-zero temps for this game, which, I mean, the Steelers are used to playing in that, but either way, just another storyline, another piece of that puzzle that's going to be out there. The Bills are 10-point favorite over the Steelers. To me, this seems like it has the potential to be the biggest blowout uh, as Buffalo is coming off a huge win against the Dolphins and Pittsburgh is really just squeaking into the playoffs uh, with other games going their way. They did win over the Ravens, but again, not everybody was playing in that game. In that game, The Bills, I think, are looking hot and getting hotter. It's crazy to think on the Steelers' side that Mason Rudolph is going to be their starting Q- QB, um, but Tomlin says he's sticking with the hot hand who's helped them to get there so far. So it's just really... I think the Steelers are going to have an uphill battle. It doesn't mean I don't think that yeah. they can do it. Like we t- we talked about, Watt is out, so you're not going to have him putting that pressure on Josh Allen. Uh, it seems like the Bills are revving up. Josh Allen can be hot or cold, but when he's hot, he looks really, really good. And, yeah, it's going to be a good matchup. I-, I do say when I look at these three matchups on the AFC side, this is the one to me that – seem to be way in favor of one team like that question somebody asked yeah. about blowouts if there was going to be a blowout this would be my guess i could be totally wrong but i just think the bills and maybe it's because i've watched the bills a little bit more are looking really good right now yeah no i i honestly agree and i think like you said it's definitely the most one-sided matchup i think we're looking at it's wild to me that the Steelers are in the playoffs it's just been one of those seasons for them that has just been up and down and like you said they really are just squeaking in of course anything can happen but I really don't see the Bills losing this like I just don't unless it comes down to you know one of those you're racking your brain trying to figure out why Josh Allen threw that pass kind of play I really just don't see them them losing this matchup they should win this matchup but we'll see we will certainly see um the last game of the nfc side that should in theory be a blowout but at this point oh, anybody no. could oh, win no. i'm so excited is the bucks eagles yes if you had told me that this is the wild card weekend one i would ask you why the eagles were even playing on wild card weekend but two you would have thought the Eagles would win this by a million points. This is Monday night in Tampa. They're not even playing in Philadelphia, which is crazy. Um, and this game is a lot more interesting than I could have ever predicted. The Eagles had their ticket to the division championship almost guaranteed when they started 10-1 and on the season. They have crawled their way to the end, including two ugly losses at, to the, some of the worst teams in the league this season. They end 11-6. and Started ten and one, they're eleven and six to finish the season. So this isn't like one bad week or even two bad weeks. This is like five bad weeks. <laughs> like this is not It's like an epic collapse is what it is. Yes. And I think something I really want to talk about is the speculation around Nick Sirianni. Mm-hmm. 
I'm going to preface it by saying, of course, this team was in the Super Bowl last year. Like you, I think it's ridiculous how fast the media and fans will just turn on good coaches, good quarterbacks, good players. Like there are ups and downs to this stuff. No team is perfect, whatever. But the question is, is he over his head with the Eagles? Like, there was a lot of speculation when he was hired that he was young, a little bit unexperienced, a little bit all over the place. A lot of people gave him, like, hate for his first ever press conference where he was just, like, a nervous wreck trying to read his flashcards and stuff. But anyway, that's that's just nerves. But looking at this, has he or could he create a true, consistent winning culture in Philadelphia? Like, you look at... He's not a Kyle Shanahan kind of guy with schemes. He's not a culture guy like Mike McDaniels. And I feel like we've seen a lot of clips of him this season. I I specifically think of when they beat the Chiefs and he's yelling at Chiefs fans walking in the tunnel. Like that's what like, you know, basically telling them to shut up, screaming at them. And while like I love the energy and I appreciate the enthusiasm, it's like you expect that out of your players, not your head coach. And I think, and if I'm like looking at this crazy, imagine, imagine that like the Eagles get the doors blown off of them this weekend. Like the Bucks and Baker Mayfield run them over at home. Do you start questioning him further than just like, it's just an unfortunate situation. Like, so I need to be fact-checked on this, but I believe that they okay. use both their offensive and defensive coordinators in the offseason. We can look into that. I believe so. Let me So to keep me, going. that is a huge piece of the puzzle. And you can't explain. Like, yeah. I-, I was like talking to Eric about this. I'm like, it's crazy like how you can bring in a new offensive coordinator or defensive coordinator and still see success and consistency. And so if that is true, I think that could be a big piece of it so maybe he had these guys around him who were really like pushing on the offensive and defensive sides of the ball and now he doesn't have that and they're trying to regroup so I think that that's part of it true I agree they with did you. lose both of them to head coaching jobs yeah. um so I think that looks part yeah, one of... went to the Cardinals one went to the Colts yeah so that's a big um, part of it so he doesn't have those guys there with him and like you said, maybe I'm not saying he's in over a set. I don't know, but I'm saying you lose your offensive coordinator, you lose your defensive coordinator, and then your team implodes a little bit. That's a lot. But I also agree with you. What you said is like, man, we can be so hard on these guys. And they had a great season last year. Is this mean that this should be the end for him? Oh, if, Ten and one. Yeah, like, and they, they had a great start the last season. That's the thing. So I'm yeah. not ready, but. I know why you said this because they're talking about it on TV and every radio station is talking about like his job. So it is something that people are talking about, but I want to go back to this game and I want us to put some respect on Baker Mayfield's name. <laughs> okay. Because he deserves it. Because he deserves, he deserves it. it. And he's been balling and he was counted out so many times and he is yes. in that Tampa Bay locker room. You can tell that the guys love him. You can tell that they're playing for him. It looks like they're having fun and having some swagger and that they believe in him and the coaching staff believes in him. And I don't think that that was true for Baker as far as the coaching staff having belief in him and some of his other situations that he's been in. So, you know, I know that I've been high on the Eagles all year and especially when they were like rolling and I still really like Jalen Hurts and I still like Kelsey. But man, part of me just wants to have Baker Mayfield come out here and, and like yeah. ball and and 
just you know continue to prove his worth and do it with that kind of swagger that he has so I'm really excited for this game and I, I agree with you like even like six seven weeks ago if you had said like oh the Bucks Eagles you'd be like oh the Eagles like no no problem yeah. but they have imploded and and on the other you know part of that is maybe that will light a fire under them and they'll figure it out but we'll see anyway I'm excited about it I, I, I think it's gonna be a good game I'm excited uh to see what happens and and I'm I want to see Shake and Bake do his thing to be honest Yes, I could not agree more. The fact that this is in Tampa, I think, will be a great game. I'm excited for it. I'm curious to see what happens. I, I'm really curious to see what happens if the Eagles lose. Just, I, not that I think they would really do any drastic changes. I don't think there's any like major issues they would have to address in that sense of like firing their head coach kind of thing, but they're going to have to take a hard look in the mirror if they really went 10-1 coming off of going to the Super Bowl and then just falling apart like this at the end. But that is all of the matchups for Wild Card Weekend. Lots of excitement. I cannot wait to get some food, sit on the couch all weekend. We're just going to enjoy some football. I have lots of laundry I need to catch up on anyway. So we'll be very nice to watch some football this weekend. Perfect. All right. So we're going to move on. Instead of choosing a game that made us stop and watch over last weekend, we decided that we're going to look at a team this season that made us stop and watch. Maybe it was for a good reason. Maybe it was for a bad reason. I'm going to get us started. And the surprise of the season for me, the team that kind of made me stop and watch was the Jaguars but it was due to their late season collapse. So not in a good way. They were eliminated with a 28-20 loss to the Titans last week. They finished the season 9-8 and after starting 8-3. and They became only the sixth team in the last 25 seasons to start 8-3 and or better and miss the playoffs. Whereas last season, if we can think back to last season, they won their last five games. Whereas this season, they just absolutely collapsed at the end of the season. They went one and five in their last six games. So what went wrong? Doug Peterson talked about the team not having a sense of urgency and then losing games with self-inflicted mistakes and then just also not having any spark to them. Trevor Lawrence, after the game the other day, said, um, it's fresh and everyone's going to deal with this in their own way. You should. Everybody does. But you should feel sick. You should feel disappointed and frustrated in yourself, in the offense, in the team, everything. You put in so much work. Coming in here, if we win, we make the playoffs. We have a home playoff game. And we are leaving here. We're going home and we're done. We all understand what we, where we're at and how disappointing it is, the finish we had this year. We have to be better. He also said it hurts not to be able to finish, and you look at where we were at one point in the season and just finished really, really poorly. We kind of gave it away. Wow. So it will be interesting to, to, for me to see if and how the Jags re, regroup and bounce back. I feel like Trevor Lawrence has so much upside. I think Doug Peterson has, seems to be a great coach. So. Hopefully they'll bounce back, but this epic collapse at the end of the year really did make me kind of stop and watch and be like, what is going down, going on down in Jacksonville? Yeah, I think a huge momentum shift for them was Trevor Lawrence getting injured. For like, sure. I think that while he played through it, I think just kind of, they were already like on that like downward slope a little bit, but like right when you needed your team to like step up, pick it up, 
turn things around. He gets injured and then just isn't fully himself the rest of the season. I think that took a turn for them. I Honestly, I don't see any need to majorly change things in Jacksonville. Like, I think they've got a lot of good pieces. They have a good locker room. Of course, we'll see how things play out in free agency and the draft, but I don't think what they have is bad. I think that's why it's so surprising is that they are in this situation and none of us really saw that happening. So Yeah, and you're right. I think obviously when your quarterback gets injured and then Trevor Lawrence wasn't himself. So I agree with you. I don't think they need to make drastic changes. Not that anybody's going to ask me, but I think it's more (laughs) a matter of get your guys right learn from this, figure out what happened. Hopefully Trevor Lawrence is better next year and and you don't have that kind of same collapse that they had this year. Yeah. And on the other side, a surprising team for me this season in a good way is the Los Angeles Rams. So I'm going to talk about them for a minute here because honestly, I either was just sleeping on them all season or just like didn't put enough thought into this outside of, you know, what 14 different highlights did Puka have this past weekend. Um, But in 2022, the Rams were five and 12 finishing third in the NFC West. They were four and five at home, one and seven away. Then you look to this year, they're 10 and seven second in the NFC West and going into the postseason fired up. They literally beat the 49ers while resting a majority of their starters. So that was a huge win. I think to pull that off, of course the 49ers were in the same boat, resting some of their starters, so we'll take that with a grain of salt. But I do think it's still important to note that the Rams were able to do that. Matthew Stafford has certainly proved that he is still playing at a high level, but Carson Wentz was the one who got the chance to show up this past weekend. Um, And I think with the way that he performed, it's going to be interesting to see if the Rams look to keep him as a backup to Stafford, or maybe they find a way to trade him away to bring in some more assets Uh, We've seen certainly this year that backup quarterbacks seem to be more valuable than ever Mm -hmm. under how many injuries have been happening. But I do think Wentz provides some stability in their quarterback room because if and when they need to rest Matthew Stafford, they've got a very viable backup in Carson Wentz. Um, Also, I think the Rams have a very balanced offensive attack when it comes to their games. You look at this game with the 49ers, they had 24 passes to 34 runs. So I really feel like you're finding a way to spread the ball around to your running backs, to your receivers. Of course, they've got Cooper Cup, Puka Nakua that are just playing outstanding, kind of this big brother, little brother dynamic that I've been loving. Um, But I think it's also important to note that, you know, Sean McVay has usually been the one kind of calling the plays, but he let offensive coordinator Mike LaFour be the one in charge of the offense this past weekend. And they pulled out the win. So I think that just shows how much, you know, McVeigh really trusts their offensive coordinator, the dynamic that they have in Los Angeles. The one red flag that I want to point out, because in the playoffs, every point counts, is the fact that the Rams have a awful kicking scenario system in place. Okay, they rank last in the NFL Um, in terms of field goals and extra points this season. They've hit just 80% of their field goals and extra point point attempts in this season, ranks 31st in the league. Yikes. So right now the Rams have been winning. I mean, this was obviously a close game, 21 to 20, but they've kind of been winning with margins that haven't 
necessarily mattered in terms of an extra point, but that certainly could cost them down the road. And I'll be interested to see if I'm like jinxing the the, the Rams by talking about this with the Lions game. But of course, it's something to point out. Um, but I just truly didn't see the Rams having this amount much success, I think, and being, you know, with, again, with Cooper Cup and Puka Nakua, I feel like they are the exact balance you want on each side of your offense. And I think they've been exciting to watch. I think Puka certainly has a fantastic resume for Offensive Rookie of the Year. And I do want to shout out how adorable it was that his mom was at the game this past weekend. And there was lots of adorable content involving him. So I think surprising in a good way, the Los Angeles Rams. Yeah, it's funny because I feel like we really haven't talked about them that much. We've talked about players, no. right? Like we talked about Puka, yeah. we talked about, you know, but yeah, I guess I would say same thing, been sleeping on them and, and here they are heating up. So it'll be interesting to see what they look like going into the playoffs. But pleasant surprise with the Rams, little disappointed with the Jags. Let's move on to our playmaker of the week. I'm going to get us started here with the one and only Derek Henry. Let's go. The king. Let's go. He had an awesome game, and it could have been his last game as a Titan. He had a season high, 153 rushing yards and a touchdown of 19 carries, and his effort was a big part of, of how, why Tennessee spoiled those Jaguars and knocked them out of the playoffs. In the game, he reached a top speed of 21.68 miles per hour on his 69-yard run, and it was tied for the seventh fastest speed up by a ball carrier this season. After the game, he said, Titans fans, I just want to say thank you for the greatest eight years of my life. The ups and downs, y'all been there with me through everything, through adversity. Watch me grow as a person and a player always supporting me. I love y'all. Henry has rushed for more than 9,500 yards and 90 touchdowns in his career as a Titan and he ranks the second for the Titans in career rushing yards, but holds the record for career touchdowns, 93 as a Titan. Derrick Henry, can't wait to see what happens with him next year, but he had a great game. It was great to see him showing love to his fans in Tennessee and them reciprocating that love back to him. What a career in Tennessee for Derrick Henry. But it's looking like he, along with Vrabel, are going to be somewhere else next year. Yeah. Well, I can't, I have nothing else to add. I think you definitely deserves it. His speech had me in tears. I, I think it was just an amazing game, an amazing season, and he's had such an amazing career. Um, I, I honestly, he's one of those guys that has been so good and so consistently good for so many years that I almost forgot he was still in the league. It's like, oh my God, he's still, like, he's still making such an impact, you know, however many years later, especially in a position that we've talked about a lot, has been questioned questioned in value. So I think he certainly, the king, as everyone calls him, has certainly brought that value to the position, to the Titans, and just, I think, to the NFL as a whole. He's a fantastic player. Um, my NFC Playmaker of the Week, I wanted to think outside of the box. I wanted to think of somebody that no one is thinking of in terms of um, maybe a playmaker of this week. I'm going to talk about <laughs> the kicker for the Buccaneers. All right. Kickers um, matter too. Kickers matter too. We've shouted it out before, but Chase McLaughlin was the only reason the, the Bucks made it in the playoffs based off of this past week alone. It was a nine to nothing final score in Carolina. 
This was not a game that I took the time to watch the entirety of. But because of Chase's three field goals, a 36-yarder, a 57-yarder, and a 39-yarder, Tampa is officially in the playoffs. And I do think, of course, Baker and many of other factors have gotten them there. But they didn't show up this past weekend, but their kicker did. So I think a win is a win. And without him, Tampa's season could have been over pending other matchups and everything. And so I think he deserves the playmaker crown for literally going in and making the plays that he needed to make and pulling out the win. Because when you think of a defense that's able to shut out another team, regardless of who you're playing, I don't care that it was the Panthers. Like when your defense is able to hold the other team to nothing, you've got to get a few points on the board. And that's exactly what the Buccaneers did was get just nine points on the board to secure the win. So Chase is going to get my playmaker crown. I love it. Kickers matter too. Running backs and kickers. Let's hear it. All right. (laughs) Let's move into Selly of the week here. Now this was interesting for me because I kind of grouped a whole category of players as into my Selly of the week. Any player. (laughs) So it's the last week of the season. So we know that players have incentives if they do certain things and they get more money. So any player who earned an incentive with a play, all of their sellies were so full of joy because you knew that they were making money off of those things. So it was yes. just like funny. They're like, oh, this person just earned another $500,000. And you could see them and like, there's like pump in their fist and like fired up. So it was like a different kind of selly, but you could tell it was like so real. And so I appreciated yeah. that. The one specific one, uh, that I saw multiple times was Chris Jones earned $1.25 million on his sack in a Chargers game. And this this is a fun fact that made me laugh. Chris Jones reached a top speed of 14.85 miles per hour running to the sidelines on his sack celebration, which would have been his second fastest speed on any play Sunday. So yeah, he was pretty excited. He was running almost full speed in his celebration after that sack. We talked about very early in Playmaker's perspective how he actually lost a lot of money holding out, and he's really just making that money back now through those incentives. But he was hyped, and all of his teammates were hyped. And so there was a theme throughout a lot of the games where guys were, like, you know, doing different things and earning their incentives and celebrating it. So that's my collective selly of the week. Anybody who was making extra money for doing something uh, in a game over the weekend. I love it. So am I going to see you running 14 miles an hour? Oh, that's slow for me, baby. That's slow for me. So I'll go faster than that. If you offer me 1.25 million, I will hit 20 miles an hour. I think. I don't know. That's fair. I that That's valid. I, I can't say I could possibly do the same, but I'd certainly put in my best effort. Um, That's hilarious. That's super funny that that's... <laughs> His second fastest speed on any play on Sunday was just celebrating. Yes. But you know what? That's a lot of money back. And like you said, he did lose a lot of money in the beginning of the season. So cheers to him. Um, Looking to some photographer's perspective of the week, there was so much content. I felt like there was so many great pieces of content. I was obsessed with everything happening with the Patriots, honoring Matthew Slater, um, Of course, you've got a lot of teams that are celebrating getting into the playoffs. There's a lot of fun graphics, fun videos, exciting things. I'm going to talk about two things that just stood out to me. One I thought was hilarious, which was the Lions social media team. During their arrivals, they had a slight mishap with 
who they were tagging. Um, basically t- tagged Taylor Decker on a video that was not him. Somehow he found the time in the morning to reply to the Lions and say, this is not me. So then they posted him. Here you are. So they made, they fixed their mistake, but I thought that was funny. Well, Just a back and forth. But thing. it said that he was reporting for duty. Oh, yeah. Which was yeah, the funniest so that, part of it. Yes, yeah. exactly. <laughs> and so I think the whole part, like, it was just, just them like, having fun with it. Yes, the back and forth, like, being able to laugh about that call that was, like, so devastating, like, the next week and make a joke about it. I Yeah, I agree. That was hilarious. Yes, so very well done. I thought that was funny. On a more somber note, I suppose, um, talking about the Vikings photography Instagram, which I have been high on this season and long before. I think it's a fantastic account with so much creative just freedom and... I'm obsessed with it, but they, what happens in the NFL, if you do not make the playoffs, the day after your season ends is called trash bag day. You are cleaning out your locker. You are getting rid of stuff. You're having exit meetings. It's just the reality of the NFL. It's a very sad day for teams that don't make the playoffs, but it's also a very, like, I equate it similar to like school's out for summer, except for you just have no idea who's going to be back for school the next year. Like you just don't know what's going to happen. And it's a tough road to navigate of like, you don't know if it's the last time you're going to be seeing certain players or certain coaches, certain trainers, certain staff members. Like it's a very like awkward goodbye kind of thing. But I think the Vikings photographers did an excellent job of portraying just that, those feelings and those emotions. Like we talk about this being not only, these are not just professional athletes, they are humans. They are people that have to, potentially move at the end of seasons and there's a lot of just up and downs that go along with it the vikings posted a series of photos that included staff cleaning out the lockers you can see the trash bags you've got donation bins for things because a lot of times these nfl players are getting packages left and right from places you're getting tons and tons of gear sneakers cleats shirts hoodies so they do have donation bins for certain things that when these players are cleaning out their locker They have a place to get rid of some of this extra stuff. And then it's just a bunch of little scenes from locker cleanout day and little things in people's lockers. I think it's a cool perspective. I think it's something that is not talked about because, of course, at this time of the season, we have shifted to the playoffs. Like, we're not really talking about the teams that didn't make it. Um, But I do think it was artistically very well done. I'm going to post a lot about this, I think, on our stories this week of just shouting out the creative expertise and just the storytelling that is these photos. I think it, they tell a lot of stories. So you got the lions having fun on their social media. And I also think the Vikings found a way to really capture the empty emotion, if you will, behind just having to clean out your locker and the reality that the season is over very fast. It's an all to nothing kind of transition. Oh, so it's crazy. Those are my shout outs. Love those uh, two sides of the, of the spectrum there. We're going to move into something I am extremely excited for, and that is got to have faith because faith has decided to go above and beyond right now and not just <laughs> choose your game for the upcoming weekend, but you're going to give us your full slate of what you think is going to happen going forward for the duration of the season. Faith? Yes. Let's do this. Take it away. 
Yeah, so before the playoffs get rolling, I figured there's no better way to end or to kind of cap off gotta have faith than just I'm going to tell you who I think is going to be in the Super Bowl. And again, this is sticking on theme of the underdog. So I didn't pick one specific matchup because I do believe at this point in the season, there's not really a true underdog. There are certain teams that are obviously higher seeded than others that should win games, but I don't necessarily think it's like it is in the regular season where you've got a two and 10 team versus a 10 and two team. Like it's just not that extreme in the playoffs. So I'm going to give you my gotta have faith wild card to Super Bowl bracket, like started from the beginning, make it all the way to the end. I will say my disclaimer is if I wasn't doing this as a gotta have faith kind of thing, I do believe the Ravens 49ers will be the ultimate matchup and I'm not just saying that because they have both earned number one seeds in their conferences I do just think they're gonna find the way to make it all the way to the Super Bowl but that aside that aside we're gonna look at this kind of step by step so we talked about the wild card weekend we've got Houston versus Cleveland Kansas City versus Miami Buffalo versus Pittsburgh Dallas versus Green Bay Rams versus Lions and Bucks versus Eagles those are the matchups. I think going into divisional, the divisional round, we're going to have Rams versus the Browns. I'm taking the Browns over the Texans, which may be a hot take. Not sure. Um, but Rams versus Browns. And then I'm having Dolphins versus Bills. So I'm going to take the Dolphins over the Chiefs in this freezing matchup in Kansas City. I just think the wheels have fallen off a little bit too much for Kansas City. And I just don't see the Dolphins season ending like this. See what happens. Um, on the NFC side of things, I think we're going to have 49ers versus Eagles. As much as I love the Bucks right now, and I think that they've got a lot to play for, I just don't really see the Eagles ending on this note. Like I just think they're going to figure out a way to win, and they'll play the 49ers. On the other game, I do think it'll be Green Bay versus the Lions. I think the Lions will find a way to beat the Rams, and I think for fun, I'm going to say that the Packers are going to find a way to beat the Cowboys in some probably unfortunate ending, but we'll see what happens. Taking it to championship weekend, I think we will have Ravens versus the Bills. I think the Bills are going to find a way to beat the Dolphins um, as they did before. We'll see what happens. On the NFC side of things, I think we'll have 49ers versus the Lions. So I'm going to take the Lions all the way. Like I said, in all likelihood, I do think the Ravens 49ers are probably going to be the Super Bowl matchup, but my gotta have faith wild card all the way to Super Bowl is a Bills-Lions Super Bowl. And I picked I picked the Lions in week one, and I'm just going to stick with them to the end here. Imagine if the Lions could win the Super Bowl. Like how... I would unreal. Yeah, that would that be. Would be. Awesome. I feel like Dan Campbell would like be the happiest person in the entire universe. <laughs> oh, I'm excited! Yes. Super Bowl on my birthday, February 11th. So nice. The countdown begins. Um, I I'm just looking yes. over like all your choices here and kind of filling in my choices. We have some similarities, some differences. So we're gonna have to uh, see what happens, baby. But I am excited. Wildcard weekend. It's going to be wild. We are excited about it, but that is all we have today. Correct, Faith? Yes, that is all we have today. We, As we mentioned earlier, 
If you ordered merch, it should be on the way. Feel free to reach out if you're having any issues with that. But of course, when you get your stuff, take some pictures in it, tag us, show us. We want to see you guys in all of your fun Playmakers Perspective gear. I know I'm very excited to receive mine. So Same. Cannot wait for that. And thank you so much to everybody who has gotten on board. Like we said, this is episode 20. We keep showing up, and we're very grateful for everybody who showed up since the beginning and continues to listen so thank you guys so much spread the word tell your friends let's keep it rolling faith where can you listen follow and be part of the fun as always full episodes are on spotify and apple Podcasts. so where you want to listen you can find us and then on instagram at playmakers perspective we post all kinds of fun videos graphics sellies questions on our story fun stuff to come i know we certainly have a lot of things that are going to be coming out around the playoffs. So be sure to follow along at Instagram at Playmakers Perspective. Thanks, everybody. We'll see you next week.